This is episode 23 of Eat, Play, Sex. Here's a hot highlight for what's to come. When a person breaks through around their sexuality, when they really, really come into that place of sexual empowerment, it changes everything. Like there's no way it's not going to affect your work life or your creative life or the way that you're doing relationships in your world when you come into that sense of empowerment. This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with your queens of climax, Dr. Kat and Di. The place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Side effects of this podcast may include more lovemaking, hormone harmony, spontaneous sex, exceptional orgasms, less sugar cravings, and more sex cravings. In rare cases, listeners experience a strong desire to try new sexual positions and lube with organic edibles. If you experience moods happier than usual, contact your Facebook friends immediately. Hello, kitty cat. Meow. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, doll? Oh my god, I am literally on fire. I I just I feel this such a exciting passionate fire for like all my work and and just life and my day. I can barely contain myself. I'm like uh, somebody called me the other day an exploding kitten and I was like, "Yes, that is what I am." Like an erupting, I'm imagining like a hot magma sort of like volcano in a good way. Yeah, oh, that's sensual. That's very sexy. Yeah, I was just thinking of like is. this this box of kittens that just goes because I have so much energy right now. I'm seeing like a erotic explosion, and you're seeing like <laughs> these oh cute God. little cats are like fierce cats. We've got an awesome show for you, lovers. This is going to be a really fun episode. It's a, it's actually going to be a rainbow of colors. It's going to be. It's very, very much for the ladies today, but of course, if any guys are listening, please share this with uh, any of the ladies that you know and love in your life and that you wish to be empowered and inspired. It's really cool because as a nutritionist of this show, I'm, I'm, I love hearing your side of it too, Dr. Kat, being the sex expert. And uh, this weekend at a, at a retreat, I went to Bhakti Fest, which is Bhakti means love in Sanskrit. And then the fest is festival. And we had an amazing weekend of immersion of yoga and just loving on each other and touching and just opening up our heart and, and doing it not just for ourselves, but doing it for the planet with all this craziness that's happening right now like literally Mm. so many parts of america are on fire and then other parts are being drowned in water and it's like man if you could bring those together can't we just send our hurricanes over to the fires in oregon and ah it's it's the world is a crazy place to be in right now and it's been happening in a very high rate in the last two weeks so we're going to talk a lot about fire today this week we are super excited to help ignite you set you hot on fire and we've got on this show today amy joe goddard she is an amazing amazing woman that has a lot to say about how we can take charge of our life with our health and our cervix at your cervix is one of the things we're going to talk about and that'll make sense in a little while uh, sexual empowerment, connecting to self, setting yourself on fire in the way that Kat was just referring to. <laughs> Imagine passion, many passion, not many on fire cats. <laughs> Lava. Um, not kittens on fire. Yeah. And, and just so, so much more. Today's going to be a, a very 
soul food type of show. And um, it's we're also going to give you guys some um, little pieces of action that you can take with you. So we're going to also, as we always do, refer you guys to our site, our blog, which is eatplaysex.com. Kat's also going to have her own on her website so we can also redirect you to download our guides in two different places um, because we're we're really working hard at trying to always listen to you guys and bring you what it is that you need as our antennas are always up. And that's our unicorn horn, right? That's our our way to connect to you. We want to thank you for spreading the word and leaving reviews and being vulnerable. Um, This this work that we do is not always easy to talk about. And so we want to thank you for connecting yourself and to each other through this and being brave and courageous enough to try some of the things that we're recommending on the blog. And we're getting a lot of good feedbacks on the, on the products. And so the things that we hear good things about, we're recommending to you. We use them on ourselves because our goal is to get you to eat, play and sex better. So you can improve your sex life, which will improve every aspect of your life. So make sure if you guys haven't already subscribed, head on over to iTunes. Um, Grab yourself a subscription. Leave us a review. Awesome. Hashtag eat, play, sex. Don't forget, we're also giving away one for you, me, pleasure toy each month to a lucky listener. This is stuff that we use all day long. I missed it this weekend when I was away from it for three days. Hmm. I actually, I was reading Amy Jo's book the other day and I had to stop and like go play with my Yumi. I swear to God, I did that. I was like, yeah, this is, I'm just so turned on right now. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> <laughs> Which part did she use the toy on, or which part of the, the beginning? Book was she read it? Yeah. I pulled out the book. It was the beginning. <laughs> it was a foreplay. So, hey, without further ado, let's bring on Amy Jo Goddard because she is. She, I, this woman doesn't need an intro, but we're going to allow her to have an intro. But first, we'd like to hear you answer this question, Amy Jo Goddard. And it's a different one that we're usually answering. Okay. What does self-love mean to you? And how would how do you show yourself self-love? Oh, my God. Self-love is so many things. I think first and foremost, self-love is um, really allowing yourself to be a choice and making sure that you're always making choices and not doing things out of obligation to others or because somehow you feel like you have to. Um, or you should. It's it's not shooting yourself, <laughs> and um, and and then you know it's all of the the things that we need to do in terms of our bodies and our well being to take care of ourselves, which I I see increasingly in our world and certainly in the clients that I work with that we are so disconnected and out of our bodies. We are so you know many of us are so connected to technology and computers all day long. We're living from the neck up. Um, and we're really not connected to our own bodies, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I'll be like, but I really want to finish this before I go to the bathroom. And then I'll just stop and be like, oh my God, you are ludicrous. Go take care of your needs and come back. You know, it's like these like insidious ways that we don't listen to our bodies and what we need, um, eat good food, exercise and enjoy being, being human. Our bodies is, are what makes us human. And, um, and so when we deny that part of ourselves, we're not taking care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of it's important. You know, I think self-care is physical, it's spiritual, um, it's emotional, psychological, it's social. It's how, how am I um, managing my time so that I'm spending it the way I want to um, and with the people that I want to? And um, am I making sure that I'm getting the things I need for myself? 
And and I think that has to include um, a bit of self-intimacy, which is a, um, a term I like to use, that I'm I'm making space not only to just be with myself, but, but actually to be intimate with myself. And I don't mean just sexually, that could be a part of it, but, you know, am I creating real self-intimacy and real friendship with myself Ooh, and my body? Friendship with the self, that is huge. I think being kind to ourselves in that compassionate piece, yes, yes. Uh, my hand yeah. is in the air right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, can you look in the mirror and say, gosh, I really enjoy your friendship. <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people can because we're so hard on ourselves. And we it's, are. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, it could sound corny, but I think, yeah, we are. We're mean to ourselves. It's like the way yeah. we talk to ourselves. Like, would you talk to your best friend that way? Yeah. You know, the, the way girl. you talk to your body. Would you talk to someone you care about like that? Yeah. The answer is no. Yeah. Stop it. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, and and people will only treat you as you treat yourself. It's and the same thing with respect and love. And I'm learning that too. The harder I've been on myself, the harder people have been on me. And I'm like, why am I still alone at 38 and not married with no kids? I'm such a loser. And I'm like, wow. Well, listen to that. It's a, another piece of shame again. Wow, I'm so addicted to shame. And and also putting it outside of myself and putting the power outside of myself that someone will come in and on a white unicorn and rescue me, or someone will be able to come in and say, save my life when I'm at my OBGYN appointment, which is what I would like to, let's take a quick snippet just to introduce what you have done in the projects. And this is how I brought on uh, Amy Jo. I sent Kat a message probably at one in the morning, because sometimes I am guilty of you know, self-love is going to bed early and waking up. Oh, my up God, totally. It's like my worst. Like, <laughs> I, I'm such a little kid about going to bed. I'm like, go so to bed. I. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the same thing for <laughs> me, Amy Jo. Like crap tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I found myself, like, literally hearing the little kid inside of me. It was, like, 10 o'clock, and I'd already taken uh, a sleepy time pill, you know, melatonin. And sometimes I take melatonin to try to knock myself out until I get this down. And it's like, this is, like, this is my last real big piece. And I go, man, I am such a little kid. I'm a little punk. So, it, but at one in the morning, I found you. So some things can come out of, you know, these. Things happen at one in the morning. I, right? For sure. Right? <laughs> so um, what I ran into, and this is the, this is what I'd like to start our show with. She, Amy Jo has an amazing documentary called At Your Cervix, which is exposing the unethical teaching methods behind pelvic exams. And this includes students learning to do exams on anesthetized women. And this is what I saw when one of my friends had shared your Facebook video about this. I, my jaw was to the floor or it was on my bed at the point. <laughs> and, and I thought we just need, this needs to be heard. This needs to be seen. And this project calls for change inside of the field of gynecology to promote bodily autonomy and patient consent. So they're still raising funds for this film. And then after that, we'll talk about what play is all about, how you can play more in your life and why that's so important is to not take life so seriously. And Kat's going to ask questions about what she had read in A.B. Joe's book, which is also out. And then she's also got an amazing uh, sexual empowerment retreat coming up in Southern California. So lots of amazing goodies in this grab bag of awesomeness today. I, 
you brought me right back to this post, uh, Amy and Joe, this post when I saw this, some anger, some passion, some protection, some like wellness warrior wanting women to really truly get what's happening. I had went for a visit to see my OBGYN earlier this year and he was starting feeling my breasts and he goes, um, have you been checking your breasts? And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm always checking myself, you know, sometimes in the bedroom when I'm using my Yumi and then sometimes I'm actually looking for stuff and it's just because I'm doing it for my health. And, and he goes, oh, oh, you don't need to do that anymore. And I went, why? And he said, because we found that women are becoming really paranoid. They think they're finding stuff. And so we're just telling you not to, um, not to do that and just let us do it for you. Right. And I'm like, right. absolutely not. How paternal of you. Yeah. 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 Well, I know two women personally who found breast cancer in themselves by early detection because they did their own exams. So would you like to tell those women that they shouldn't have done that? Like that, okay. that made a huge difference in what they were able to do in terms of their care and their treatment. So yeah, that it, anger, it angers me. Um, every yeah. t- you know, I think we should always question when medical providers want to take power out of our hands and take the agency over our own bodies away from us. Because the person that knows the most about any <laughs> about that body is the person who owns the body, who lives mm. in the body every day. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the ways in which medicine is approached, and I think particularly gynecology and women's health. Um, historically is, you know, well, the doctor is the authority in the room and the woman just really doesn't know anything. And then this hierarchy is set up where uh, we are taught to rely on doctors. And of course, historically, you know, we could go into all kinds of history things that we don't have time for. But, you know, it was this, let's just say the system was set up that way. Um, it was yeah. set up so that they would have that authority. And and that was about business. That was about the business of medicine. And so, so yeah, I mean, there's a place for healthcare providers, we all need to um, make sure that we are getting regular checkups, but to to not encourage women to check their own bodies. I mean, I'd rather have a false alarm than have something go undetected because I haven't been checking it. And I was right in the middle of my, you know, now they only recommend pelvic exams every like yeah, three years. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what if it showed up right after my last pelvic exam and then what? So then it's going to have three years to grow? That's ridiculous. Is this what set the fire inside of you, Amy Jo? I, I want you to, if you will, give the listeners a little bit about your past and what brought you here. I feel as though there's, we're, we're taught that anger is not a sexy or feminine emotion to have. And I see in your movement what you have channeled your anger about this into passion and into guidance and empowerment. And I would love to hear and I would love listeners to hear what set you on fire. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's interesting the way that anger is used against people of color and women and uh, lesbians, queer women as a way of dismissing concerns that are really real concerns. There's a lot of things to be pretty pissed yeah. about in this yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, I am super, super passionate. Anyone that's worked with me knows that. And I think, you know, the through line in all of my work, you know, my primary work is se- sexual empowerment with women. I've been working on this film at your cervix for the last 13 years. Um, <laughs> we, we are hopefully reeling toward the end. It really has been stalled primarily over because of money, because no no one wanted to fund this film. Um, it's a very political film, and it it challenges 
a medical institution that is built on conformity. You know, students of medicine are asked to conform. Um, and so if there's anything that I have always been for, it is being a nonconformist. <laughs> I've never been, been someone who conforms. I've always been someone that speaks out. Um, you know, I came into my voice at a young age. I won't say I always, because there was a point when I was very silenced, but I learned at a very young age how to embody myself in a really true way, in a really present way, and how to really use my voice. And those are two very, very important tools for all empowerment, for all people, you know, for guys that are listening, you know, I, I heard you say, guys, pass this on to women. This is for all of us, really. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have to know how to do that. And, and also, certainly, when we go in to see a doctor, we need to, we need to know, first of all, that you get to question doctors, that you don't have to do what they tell you to do. This is still your body. And a lot of times, patients will be treated as if they don't have a choice. They will be treated as if, um, well, if you don't do this, you know, there's going to be some uh, consequence or, you know, in terms of your medical care or, um, or that it makes us stupid or, you know, whatever the thing is. Medicine can be very paternal. And, you know, I think that there are amazing medical providers who are really focused on listening to patients, on patient partnership, and on patient autonomy. And so I would mm. say that, that those, are, those are the things that are through lines through all of my work. You know, we live, in a, we live in a rape culture. We live in a culture that promotes people having access to women's bodies and to vaginas specifically. And mm. so mm. all of the ways that we need to address that, I am on board with. <laughs> and, and so I'm doing that in various ways in, in my world. And, and At Your Cervix is really about that. It, it's, you know, looking at at, um, the very egregious ways that women's bodies are used in medicine without their consent. Yeah, no, please. This yeah. is this is what will I see a drawing of a line. You know, your your work is like watching this. I go, are you kidding me? I go, that's that's, and that's what I I think people need to have in order to really truly ignite the mama bear inside of themselves to start protecting that vulnerable little girl that just blindly trusts, or if it is a guy listening, the vulnerable little boy that just blindly trusts, thinking that their voice and their thoughts or their intuition is anything less than powerful and it gets watered down by society. So I really want you to shine not just a light, but like a massive volcano over your findings and what, and what we can, and you know, you never know if a listener's here and she hears it or he hears and he's like, I want, I want to fund this whole film. You know, you never know where you are and who you're talking to and, and things happen and magic happens. And so I, Share it. Please share it, Amy Jo. What's going on with this film that you are so passionate that you want people to hear? Well, the film started because I, I spent 10 years at, uh, in medical schools in New York City, and I'm talking major medical schools, Columbia, NYU, um, SUNY, uh, Cornell, etc., um, working in all of the major medical schools in New York City, teaching pelvic exams, breasts and pelvic exams to medical students, um, usually second-year medical students. And I worked with a group of incredible women, and we would go into these institutions and we would work in clinical settings with small groups of students. And we we would use our own bodies to teach. And that made that work very, very unique. We were not models. We were not volunteers. <laughs> we were not mm. mute. We were teachers. We were highly, highly trained. 
And this is where my own ability to use my voice and my embodiment allowed me to do that work. That's certainly not work everyone can do um, or would want to do. But that was something that I I felt strongly was, was very, very valuable to be able to offer that to students. And so we would model a good breast and pelvic exam, and then each student would get to practice each of those exams on, on one of the teachers. So usually we would co-teach. And so we started at your cervix wanting to make a film about that work because that work alone is worthy of telling a story. I think it's it's labor and it is a part of medicine that most people have no idea exists. And wow. it is so powerful. You know, the first time I witnessed, uh, you know, because when you want to become a teacher, you first have to go watch a couple of sessions and really see what the work looks like before they will even consider you for training. So the first time I saw this work, it was like, wow, like this woman on this table is an Amazon, you know, really owning her power and her body and really holding that room. There was no question that she was in charge. And so that flips the script, right? That flips the idea that, that oh, let me call in the authority, the doctor to see what they think. And then they'll stand there and they'll talk about you and your body like you're not yeah. in the room. You know, we taught them, no, you ask the woman on the table what hurts or what you could do to adjust or how to make her comfortable or how her body is responding. You ask her. And so that work, you know, I probably had a thousand or yeah, I think I counted it at one point. Yeah, at least a thousand pelvic exams. Um, oh, my God. For teaching wow. over those 10 years. So um, and there are women who have been doing it far longer. who've had far more. <laughs> So, you know, and it's a really, really committed group of people. And so it's called gynecological teaching associate work. And, and it exists all over the world um, in many, um, I would say, probably more westernized uh, medical systems and certainly all over the U.S., but it's not in every institution. But what often will happen, whether students get a GTA session or not, is that they will then go on their rotations, right? So we get students and usually in their second year. In their third year of medical school, they go into rotations. And so this is where they're trying to figure out what is their specialty going to be, right? And so they send them through eight or 10 different rotations where for several weeks they are, you know, they're working in OBGYN, they're working in psych, they're working, you know, so they're going, they're funneling through these different parts of, of medicine to figure out what is going to be the thing that they're excited about and that they want to pursue. And so on OBGYN rotations, what will often happen is that students will be ushered into ORs. And uh, there will be a, a patient that will be put under anesthesia for a surgery, usually gynecological, but not necessarily. We did interview someone who had this happen to her with, with a knee surgery, but it is usually some kind of abdominal or gynecological surgery. And then students will be asked to do pelvic exams on that patient as well for their own learning, not for that patient's care. So sometimes a woman, rather than just having the pelvic exam that she would expect from her surgeon in order to figure out like where the pathology is or what needs to happen in the surgery, um, might then also have another one, two, three or more exam by the medical students who are in the room. It is very frequent that these are not consented. She's not, there's no consent process Oof. for those students to be able to do those additional exams. And when women find out, if they find out, it could feel incredibly violating. And I think it also feels 
really bad to the students because for a lot of them, if they have any consciousness about bodily autonomy and informed consent, they know it's not ethical. They know that performing exams, putting fingers into a person's body without their consent and certainly inside their vagina is uh, is not okay. It's traumatizing. I've had clients in my office where the women didn't realize because I do I work with a lot of sexual trauma and um, the, where the women I'm going through their sexual history and I always ask about those about exams. I've had women break down in tears just saying like they didn't feel they felt like they couldn't say anything but they felt so uncomfortable and so violated. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons why we are silenced in medicine. I mean, there are the, the gender dynamics of our culture are there. The rape culture is is going to show up, you know, and, and, and I, I say that and to say that that piece I mentioned earlier, it's like rape culture teaches us that uh, men and authorities of the body, i.e. medical providers, get to have access to vaginas. And every major, you know, it's important to say, every major institution that oversees medical education and OBGYN has made statements against this practice, and yet it still goes on. So the American Association of Obstetrics and Gynecology has made a statement, the American Medical Association, the American Association of Medical Colleges, all of them have made very, very clear statements about this. And yet there are laws on the books in only seven states, whereas in Canada, the it is illegal in the entire country. And then, you know, it's important to say that even if there is a law, the way that it is uh, enforced is what is really important. And so even where there are laws, like in the state of California, I've heard stories from people who are like, oh, yeah, no, I did that on my rotations. I learned that way. So if it's not being enforced, then the law doesn't doesn't um, help us tremendously unless, you know, someone finds out or blows the whistle. And then at least there's some recourse. You are such a this powerful warrior for the voice. I keep hearing this word, the words voice and and consent and it really comes through in your book which i love by the way very very much <laughs> where you talk so much about people um looking at going internal and tuning into the stories that they are telling themselves and rewriting the script so that it's it's something that's more empowering and not so much the victim story and maybe you can tell us a little bit more about how you came about that or how other people can turn their stories into, you know, something that is empowering. How can they find their yeah, victim voice? to victory? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we all have a victim inside of us and our victim, you know, some of us, whether we've been like tra traumatically victimized in our lives, we all have that part, right? Um, if we have gone through trauma, if we have been, you know, traumatized or, or victimized, sexualized, uh, exploited, then that's going to play into that, that part of ourselves. Um, I don't think we can be in our victim and committed to that voice of our victim and be in our empowerment at the same time. Mm. So if we want empowerment, it means breaking through that victim self that um, wants, you know, like you said earlier, you know, like that wants the the white knight to show up on the horse, you know, that wants to be saved, that 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 um, doesn't believe she can take care of herself, that, um, you know, or, you know, sometimes it's that part of ourselves that gets a lot of attention for the things that we feel victimized around. And so then there's actually not not a lot of incentive to break through that. 
I, I do a lot of work in my sexual empowerment work around archetypes. And um, my event, we're, my book is called Woman on Fire. I don't think we've said that yet. So it's called Woman on Fire, Nine Elements to Wake Up Your Erotic Energy, Personal Power, and Sexual Intelligence. So voice is one of the elements. It's the first element in the book because we all need to, we all need so much help around that. We need to do a lot of work around that. You know, and there's that internal voice and then there's that external voice. There's that, what are we, how are we talking to ourselves inside? And then how are we externalizing that? Are we able to ask for the things that we need and really advocate for ourselves and honor ourselves? Um, or do we feel silenced? And and what are the stories that we're telling ourselves? So that work is very, very rich. So at my event, Firewoman, we are doing my sexual archetype ritual, which I've been doing for the last six years in my sexual empowerment programs. And this is the first time that we're bringing it to a retreat that's not a part of a much bigger uh, program. So we're really, really excited. Um, we've got women actually coming from different parts of the world for this retreat. It's really, really exciting. And so we we bring in priestesses to play the sexual archetypes and, and like embody them so that the women can actually interface with this archetype and mm. explore it. So the victim is one of 12 archetypes that we explore. And a lot of really rich, meaningful work can happen in that, you know, and I think that I think a lot of it is that we don't know we're running victim stories. Yeah. I think it's, it's just a lot of it is just we're so not conscious of it. And once mm-hmm. we become conscious, we can start to really catch ourselves and like, oh, wait a minute. Is that my victim talking? How, <laughs> how, can I, how can I say that in a more empowered way? Like what would be yeah. the more empowered way to relate to this thing? You said something really awesome to me in your book, Woman on Fire. You said you also may need to validate your experience and say it out loud to make people peace with it, knowing that it's part of your story that has helped in your own evolution and it doesn't have to be the overriding like identity. Like you are not that story. It just it helped to, you, you know, move you along and become that. Um, I know for me personally, it took me forever to even vocalize some of the sexual assault that happened to me when I was younger because I didn't, I wanted so badly not to be the victim. But I realized in, you know, after doing a lot of my own uh, work around my sexuality that it's, it was holding a lot of power over me. And now through that work and finding my voice and coming back into my body, it's like, oh, yes, so this is part of my story. And that's just um, that's not who I am today. But it certainly helped become like light that fire to do this mission work, to do the sex therapy that I do now. And I know you explain that in your book. You, you share a little bit about your story. But you're like, and this is why I'm on fire. Yeah, no, it's absolutely a huge part of why I came into this work, you know, Um, growing up, not having resources, having my first experience with sex, be sexual assault, having unplanned pregnancies and not knowing how to deal with it, you know, all of that was laying the groundwork for me to really come into this work. And I came into my mission fairly young and I've been on it for a long time and and still steadfast because it never gets boring. It's so important, you know, and it's just, it's still the thing that I am more impassioned about than anything else in the world because I know from both my own process and then from watching hundreds, thousands of people go through this process and the work that I've been doing that when a person breaks through around their sexuality, when they really, really come into that place, 
of sexual empowerment, it changes everything. Like there's no way it's not going to affect your work life or your creative life or the way that you're doing relationships in your world when you come into that sense of empowerment. And I think that, you know, in our culture, there's a lot of wanting to kind of denigrate the sexual or it's sort of like extra, you know, it, it or it's a superflu- su- superfluous. <laughs> it is, it's a luxury item, you know, yeah. it gets treated that way. Like, oh, there's such a, other more important things to be doing. Actually, I, I would pledge that your sexuality is the core of who you are and mm. you can't bypass doing the work that needs to be done there. Um, if you do, you're going to suffer in many parts of your life and it's all related. Th- then there can be many doorways into that work. And that's why I wrote the book that I, the way that I did, you know, with these nine elements, they don't have to, you know, I tell the reader, don't read it in order if you don't want. If you want to skip to the desire chapter or you want to skip to, you know, the permission <laughs> chapter or the body chapter or whatever, like do it. So there's a lot of inroads into this work. And we just, we each need to find our own way and, and pick the one that's right for us as as the, the gateway. Because mm, there's yeah. a lot on the other side. Can we talk about play <laughs> as a path to finding it? Yeah. Yeah. We can talk about play. Yeah. Play I, is speaking the, of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, speaking of jumping to your chapters, I jumped straight to the play first and then I went back and read the rest of your book. <laughs> You're like, okay, I can read Because <laughs> I think, I, I think it's awesome that you did that too, Kat. And I think that it's awesome, Amy Joe, that you put that in there because, you know, the title of our our podcast is Eat, Play, Sex. And it's, those are three key tenants and to survival and to, to, to thrival. And so many people are missing one element and doing the others. And I, and our society is so sexually driven and like you already hit the nail and had on many other places in life where that's showing up you know, very paternal, very male dominated, very, um, serious. Subsur- what is the word? Serious. Yeah. Very, very serious. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the path to, I believe opening up to receive a new way of being starts with burning down and setting fire to the crap and your past that you're carrying with you that will allow your, allow a whole new field to emerge where you can step into play. And I've been finding that the more I focus on play, the more like Kat and I were talking before the show, life can be a playground. I, I when I go to the gym, I'm like, oh, there's a hula hoop. Yay. I could do my, instead of doing sit-ups and my crunches, <laughs> I'm a hula hoop for 10 minutes. And I'm like, man, my, my core is sore the next day. And it's like, and I'm hula hooping and dancing and it's like, I'm dancing in a gym and there are hundreds of people around me and I give zero Fs right now. I'm just having a good time. So play could be anywhere and sex can be anywhere. The sexuality doesn't need to be intercourse. And so that's the other part as I have a lot of people saying, well, I don't even have sex. Why would I listen to your show? And it's like, um, well, we got to talk about that. <laughs> so let's talk about play and let's even at the end talk about, um, if we could, what you would say to people who are putting blinders on to their sexuality because I love the quote that you just said and I think it will be our hot highlight a little bit of go if you're ignoring that part of your life then you are not tapped into the real fire and passion within yourself so Kat ask a few questions about play and we'll end there (laughs) well I was just thinking you know how often I get because I'm a super playful person Diane knows that just on a regular basis I have a tail that I tend to wear and just around Santa Monica and people always stop me like oh my god I love your tail and I'm like you know just bouncing around all this stuff and and I'm like yeah you should get one or I put it on them and I let them try it out and and then I realize they're like no that's not my thing but they love the tail and they're having so much fun shaking their ass to it um, but then I realized that they must be fearful about yeah. 
their own allow you know allowing themselves to play they see me playing they're like oh that's so cute but then they don't want to or they're afraid to allow that is there some tips that you can give people on how they can step into that more easily yeah i mean i think first it, it's really important to acknowledge that play is very risky for a lot of people you know um for some people it like you felt the permission you know like you know, Diane went to the gym and totally felt like she could just hula hoop and not care. And you wear your tail around, you know, you know, but for a lot of people, um, play is really hard because we mm-hmm. get taught, um, you know, I mean, I know I grew up with like a dad who was in the military, single parent family. He was stressed. He was raising three kids alone, you know, and he was a very serious guy, you know, and it was like, stop horsing around, quit your playing, quit your laughing. You know, there was a lot mm-hmm. of that in my family. And so I had to relearn how to play and just be like, no, Mm. play is okay. Play is good. We all need play. And especially given how serious and busy and adult-like our lives can get, you know, it's (laughs) like, oh my God, what is the whole point of it anyway? Aren't we supposed to be having fun? Isn't there supposed to be some pleasure along the way? Because otherwise, what are we in the madness for, really? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things I encourage people to do is to look at where are the playgrounds in your life Mm. and where are the parts of your life where you're really not having fun and there really are not playgrounds and where you would like to create some, you know, um, for some people, the kitchen is their playground. Like they Mm. just go wild, crazy, have so much fun in the kitchen. That's their playground. You know, it might be your music room or your art room. If you're like a musician or an artist or whatever, it might be your bedroom. Hopefully (laughs) it is. Maybe your playground is like, man, I'm really good with kids and I just love to be with kids or animals or, you know, whatever the thing is in the world. And hopefully in the work that we do, we have some playground. I think work should be fun. We should enjoy work. We should make it fun, you know? But it's like, we can bring play into anything. I mean, when, if I have to clean the house, I wear an outfit. What do you wear? I what do you wear? I wear an outfit because I just like, I just break out like the sexy, fun, feathery yeah. things. Like the short oh, skirts yes. and, the, and the, the heels and the shoes and the, you know, whatever, whatever I feel yeah. like that day. But like, I put on an outfit because it's going to make it way more it. fun. Like, <laughs> put on the bunny ears, whatever, you know, like put on oh your tail gosh. in the house and put on music that's super fun. My One of my favorite musicians is, Esquival. Uh, I love to listen to Esquival when I'm cleaning. It's like this, like, you know, 50s lounge, like super fun music. So like, I think we can bring play to everything and we can bring it to our relationships more. And in fact, I think we need to do that because a lot of times we're stuck, we're in ruts, we're not communicating well, we're frustrated, there's, there's untalked about anger or resentments, you know, and it's just like, Play is an antidote to all of that. You know, it's not the yeah. only one, but it is an antidote. I hear I hear what you're saying and I hear people thinking, yeah, but what would other people think? Because I know that in trying to also light the fire within women to express and be okay with it without without judgment. Of course, everyone's going to be judging you. That will never stop. But your play somewhere along the way did because of whatever voice they had in their head, which was also their parents or someone that were like yours, Amy Jo, where they were like, hey, stop that. You got to take things serious right now. And and whose recorder do you want to play? Who, who's taking 
eight player do you want to play in your mind for the rest of your life? Some stranger who you'll probably never see again. And we can, we, it's just, what do you want to pick up? Do you want to pick up play or do you want to pick up someone's past history that they haven't resolved, which is all of that judgment is anyway. So it, it, and I wear my unicorn horn for me that, that gets me into play and out of my, um, seriousness. And, and then of course everybody's like, Oh my God, a unicorn. I'm like, yay, I can play with you too. I can play with you. And people will come to you that want to play. So you will attract the people in your life that you can play with because they'll have the courage and the desire and the curiosity to, Oh, I want to know this person. They have a tail. They have bunny ears. They have a horn. Ooh, they want something that I want. And then you get to both exchange and play together. And so we're not so alone that a lot of people are feeling very alone too. So let's talk about sexuality in the end because I do, the play part, so it does take some courage. Kat and I weren't just all of a sudden running around with tails and horns and and Amy Jo hasn't been always cleaning her house this way. We had to save ourselves from our seriousness. And so I want to talk about sexuality in the end and how you had mentioned that it's, if you're not addressing that, if you're suppressing that, and it becomes potentially part of your depression. So that's what I say. If you don't address it, you suppress it, and then it turns into your depression. So why is it so important for us to get into, not even just to get into, maybe start to walk our way into and really get to know that sexual side of self? Well, sexuality is the most expansive thing there is, right? It's the most creative thing there is. Think about it. Like we can take two cells and we can put them together and make a whole human being out of that. Now, that's not the only way we use it, but we all started there. (laughs) So we all came from that. It's that life force that wants to create more life, that wants to expand, that wants to grow. That comes from there. You know, it births our desire. Our desire is what gets us out of bed every day. Like you wouldn't get out of bed if you didn't have desire. Desire is important. Stop denigrating desire. So to to really connect and understand what a part of being human this this sexual part is and to stop denying it, it is, there's no way it's not going to impact your creativity in your work, in your art, with your children. I mean, I've had so many women come to me who are mothers and and do work and, and at the end of doing the work are like, I am a better parent to my children for having done this, you know, and like that, that warms my heart so much every time I hear that, you know, and, and talking about how it, you know, it, it has rippled out because they're talking to their children or their partners or their friends about it. When we break down those barriers around those taboos around talking about sex, around talking about our deepest desires, about talking about the taboo things that we're not supposed to you know, that, that does something that just that act in itself empowers us. You know, when you, when you decide to take that risk and be playful, that empowers you. I mean, every little piece of it does. And play allows us to just like tap into that part of ourselves that, yeah, that didn't give any fucks before that became an issue, you know, before we were told this was a problem um, for whatever the reason. So it's, it's, it's about getting back to that life force and that spirit and that creativity and that vitality that I hear from women all the time that they want and, and that wholeness and that freedom, you know, those are the things, those are the words people use all the time. Um, this is what I want more of. Well, this is how you get it. It's not a, okay, I'm just going to turn it on. It's a process. It's a, let me learn how to do this. Let me practice it. Let me make my sexuality and my playfulness and my desire and whatever else, my body, you know, my voice, those elements, let me make that important enough that I give that energy each day, you know, like have dance breaks at work. I totally have dance breaks. 
You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I'm, I've, I've been working so hard. My, like my, my, my temple is, is furrowed. Like I need to like, just stop and put on yeah. some music and dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do yes! it naked if you can, but you know, but like, we just, you know, there's like so many ways you can do it and do it for you. I mean, it's yes. great when you can share the play with other people, but like do it for you, mm-hmm. you know, wear the sexy undergarment for you. And then, you know, it's there all day, you know, or the Benoit balls or, you know, whatever thing is like you know sometimes it's like we don't even have to tell anybody else and it's just like oh I did this for me because this is fun for me yes yes I I hear this this sense of purposelessness it's just for you just for the experience just for that moment and ride that that doesn't have to be for a doing well I think it does have a purpose but it doesn't need to have like a destination right right yeah, this right. is not something that I check off of my checklist and actually can say, look, I got that okay, done. That. Yeah, it's not like the to-do <laughs> list. It's the to-not-do list. And how about just to, can we create something called the to-be list? <laughs> I like that one. Well, I think we do. We need more time in our lives. I mean, how much time do we have that's unscheduled? You know, I think it's really important that we actually have unscheduled time where we just get to be and just not have to be anywhere, not have to do anything. We just get to choose you know, and I think that's why I stay up. Yeah, late, right. Me too. That, that's when I get Oops. that time. So that means yeah. I need to schedule that yep, more yep, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Amy Jo. Have all of your words, the messages is just, I, I really, I, I sat here like nodding my head the whole time. And I was like, yes, yes. You guys can't see me, but I would like put my hands in the air with major emphasis whenever something just hits and, and my hands were in the air the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Come play with us. We're doing <laughs> fire women retreat is at the end of, you know, the, the one that's coming up is September 29th through October 1st. It is in the North County, San Diego. Um, in a beautiful, beautiful environment. And we're going to play a lot. Come play with us. Come experience the archetypes. Come, like, you know, be in a community of other women where you can do this work. And if you can't, you can definitely find me online, amyjogoddard.com. I've got a, a video series called Erotic Evolution. So that's a great place to start if you're like, oh, I'm too terrified to come to an event. Or, or if you can't, um, that's that would be a great place to start. So it's just uh, right on yeah, my homepage. And we're going we're to share also your amazing program with the the nine steps and how you got to your book. I mean, you've, you've got so many resources. I think that there's just different different paths that take you to where you want to be. And sometimes we don't even know where we want to be yet, but we find that in the doing Mm -hmm. and the doing is not a straight line. The Mm -hmm. the doing is a lot of setting fire to your old ways, watching the ashes burn, thanking them for the lessons and moving forward without, without Mm -hmm. bringing the victim in your, um, in your passenger seat. Maybe we could gradually move them from the driver to the passenger seat, to the back seat, and then to the trunk. (laughs) So I love how you have so many different places from which to start. So Amy Jo, thanks for playing with us today from LA. Yeah. And, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of awesome nuggets for people to take from this. So um, best of luck to you. You don't need it, but best wishes, best light, best love to you. And and the the retreat, the book and all of your, um, your documentary as well. We, we need that in the world. So thank you for creating that as well. Oh, yeah. If you want to check that out, it's at yourcervixmovie.com. Yes. So if you want to mm-hmm. see what we're doing Let's have you that. do one final parting phrase. If you could leave someone with one mantra, what would it be? Just give yourself permission. Give yourself Oof. permission to do the thing that you've been afraid to do or yes. that feels risky. Mm-hmm. Take like one baby step today. Tomorrow will be another one. What are you going to give yourself permission for? Write yourself a permission Ooh, slip. We do that it. too. We, we write permission slips. We'll be doing that. Yep. At the love it. Write yes. yourself one. 
Great. Thank you, Amy Jo Goddard, and amazing light to you, sister. Thank you.